1: Welcome, Into
0: Tomorrow with Dave Graveline, the interactive radio network program with the latest in high-tech products and services and the experts who bring them to you. This is Into Tomorrow. Here's Dave Graveline. For the weekend of Friday, October 1st, 2021, during our 26 years bringing you Into Tomorrow... Thanks for joining us. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. And I always like to remind you to back up your important data. You should do that all the time, at least once a week, and then off-prem at least maybe once a month. Somewhere else, store important things that you don't want to lose. Oh, and also, while we're reminding you of important things, check your spam filter. Not just for emails from Graveline.com, but maybe from family, from long-lost coworkers, from whatever. You're going to say, oh my gosh, I th- no wonder I haven't heard from them. There they are, stuck in my spam filter. So mark us and them as not spam. So you get all of our emails, our weekly tech newsletter, whatever the case. And of course, correspondence from
1: family and friends that you thought you just haven't heard from. Meanwhile, they're sitting there. So, this is our uh, last chance in the show to m- mention some more of the items from uh, Amazon's big announcements. Uh, big announcements. Basically, uh, their big announcement was we're going to get more money from you. Oh, yeah. And, and we haven't even gotten to the good stuff <laughs> as far as them getting money. Um, they, they released a, a smart thermostat, which they say works with Alexa. Duh. Yeah, <laughs> I would think. Okay. Um, this is made in partnership with Honeywell Home. It's $50, and of course, can be pre ordered now. So,
0: it's only $50 right. compared to their robot for a grand if you're selected.
1: on their pre-invite list. Right. And this is one of the few items that they release so you don't have to apply for an invitation to buy it. Jeez. Um, last year, Amazon revealed the uh, the Always Home Cam, which puts a ring camera on a drone. Um, you, if you're interested in getting one, you can apply for an invite mm. <laughs> starting now. That drone costs $250. Jeez.
0: Now, they also have, speaking of their security issues, Virtual Security Guard. It's a subscription service that lets a third-party company watch for motion events on your outdoor ring cameras notice how they stress that like i'm sure they're never going to look on the cameras on your indoor I'm devices sure. because they have access to them obviously but you can apply <laughs> for early access now and then it's $99 per month on top of a $20 monthly Ring Protect Plus subscription so are they nuts yes <laughs> yeah, of course they are it's amazon that's it. so 120 bucks and people from
1: wherever who knows probably china uh, can watch your ring cameras for you. No yeah. thanks. Yeah. You know, and just get, you know, skipping through some of the less uh, less exciting stuff. They uh, also uh, announced their new Alexa Together Remote Care subscription service that will replace the free Alexa Care Hub in 2022. So mm-hmm. of course, they're replacing something free. With a paid service. No doubt. Um, this uh, They say adds new features like compatibility with fall detection services. That It's going to cost $20 a month, and they say you can try it free for six months. And if you're a current Care Hub subscriber, they claim you'll get a free year of Alexa together for free, which is the least they can do if they're going to then make you pay for a service that was free. Yeah. And Amazon's new custom
0: sound detection will let users teach Alexa custom sounds which could be useful to let you set smart home routines or even trigger alerts. Because I tell you what, I've got a lot of routines set up. And, of course, we always test both Google Home and Alexa, and you're always testing Siri. There's all kind of stuff so that we know what to share info with our audience and all that. And while I have a lot of routines, they're not the easiest thing to set up. So if you can do it, with custom sound detection to teach Alexa how to do some of these things, I'm, I'm thinking that could be really helpful for a lot of us. Yep. And, of course, they announced a bunch of new stuff. Stay tuned. Uh, we'll get more info as we have time. And we have info on our site at intutomorrow.com. There you go. TikTok reached a milestone last week as the video creation platform revealed that it has surpassed 1 billion, with a B, 1 billion monthly active users. TikTok's popularity soared during the pandemic, becoming the most downloaded app in the world in the first quarter of 2020. In 2016, TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, launched the app, which is known as Douyin in China. I don't know why they don't just say TikTok.
1: I don't know. that, But it's Douyin in China. And we talked the, last week on the show about how the the Chinese government has now put more limitations on children in the app and they can mm-hmm. they can they, not just like, that app they're restricting it uh, access between certain hours of the night so that they don't get addicted to the technology.
0: It's one of the few things we've been able to say lately kudos to the
1: Chinese communist government for yeah. protecting kids in that way. Yeah. And kudos to the EU because according to the new EU Commission ruling proposal, Europe may require all manufacturers to use USB C charging for all phones and electronic devices. Good. It aims to reduce e waste and consumer inconvenience caused by different and incompatible chargers that are still in use. The Commission also wants manufacturers to unbundle the sale of chargers with electronic devices, which many have been doing lately. It's rare to find anything that has a little power cube yeah. included in it. True. The report says, quote with today's proposal, USB will become the standard port for all smartphones, tablets, cameras, headphones, portable speakers, and handheld video game consoles. Are you listening, Apple? Yeah. The EU said its work with industry has managed to reduce the number of mobile phone chargers from 30 to just three over the last decade. One of those three is Apple's Lightning port, which is used by about 20% of devices sold in Europe. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, good on them. And, and I, I agree with that. I mean, I, and I wish they would do something like that here in the U.S. Because if, if everything used the same charging cable, one, it's, it's really inc- really convenient for the end user. And two, it does eliminate e-waste because you're not having all these different cords that are all ending up in landfills and in trash True. dumps. And,
0: and you don't have to worry about going to a friend's house and say, oh, I need to charge my phone. And say, oh, sorry, I don't have that kind of plug.
1: Yeah. So let's
0: get consistent. Here's another example of big, giant Disney Taking advantage of people, moving to defend its Marvel superhero franchises, the Walt Disney Company filed a flurry of lawsuits seeking to invalidate copyright termination notices served by artists and illustrators involved with marquee characters like Iron Man, Spider-Man, and Thor. The artists include Lawrence D. Lieber, who's 89 years old. He was a writer that Marvel hired way back in 1958 who wrote stories featuring the likes of Iron Man, Thor, and Ant-Man. Marvel, filing its lawsuits under the name Marvel Characters, Inc., said in court documents that because Lieber and the others toiled as work-for-hire, quote-unquote, they have no legal ownership rights to the characters they worked on. Wow, you knew that when Disney <laughs> bought Marvel, it was just going to go to crap. Oh yeah, of course. That again, one of those giant companies just ripping
1: people off yeah. to no end. It's absurd. Speaking of absurd companies, Facebook plans to invest fifty million dollars to create a metaverse that it says will be quote a set of virtual spaces where you can create and explore with other people who aren't in the same physical space as you. Mm-hmm. The money will be In other spent- words,
0: a Zoom meeting? Yeah, kind of. well,
1: yeah, That's pretty much what a metaverse is. It's like yeah. a, a metaphorical universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the money will be spent uh, over two years through its XR Programs and Research Fund, which plans to work with other organizations, nonprofits, academic institutions, and governments. A metaverse would need more than just Facebook to create it, the company says, and it could take 10 to 15 years to bring the idea to fruition. Along with laying out its plans for creating a metaverse, Facebook says it will build the virtual spaces responsibly. They said this includes keeping individuals' privacy intact by minimizing the amount of data used, keeping people online safe giving individuals choices for a thriving digital economy and making sure that the technologies are created are inclusive and accessible. Okay, wait a minute. Back up. Did you say in the same sentence, Facebook and responsible? Yeah, well, Facebook said responsible. (laughs) I'm just reporting what 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 was said. Wow. Okay.
0: Well, this is a bit unusual as well. I received a press release the other day from the NTSB appealing to Miami area residents. It said that investigators with the National Transportation Safety Board are appealing to our fellow Miami area folks who may have witnessed a September 13th crash involving a Tesla Model 3 that departed the roadway and collided with a tree in Coral Gables, Florida just down the street from us. The NTSB, which dispatched three investigators to Florida to investigate the fatal crash, is specifically looking for any video or photos of the crash or the post-crash fire. Honestly, I've never recalled getting a press release, we get them all the time, thousands almost daily, but from the NTSB appealing to specific area residents, let alone our own town here in Miami. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Well, basically saying, we can't investigate this on our own. We're not good yeah.
0: enough. <laughs> we don't know anything about electric cars, so can anybody <laughs> shed some light? Because it does fall into their bailiwick there. Right. And that's interesting. So if you witness the September 13 crash in Coral Gables, Florida, be sure to get a hold of the NTSB folks. They need your help. Yeah.
1: According to recent reports, Comcast appears to be planning to offer TVs running its own software across at least two territories. Oh, well, that basically means you won't have any TV to watch. Yeah. In the U.S., the TVs will reportedly be branded as X-Class TVs, originally manufactured by Hisense. The 43- and 50-inch sets will run Comcast's X1 operating system, which is already found on its set-top boxes and Xfinity Flex streaming box. An Xfinity landing site confirms the X-Class TV branding, while an FAQ page says that they'll aggregate, quote, your favorite apps, live channels, and on-demand movies and shows together in one place. Hmm. Meanwhile, in the UK, Comcast subsidiary Sky is reportedly planning to launch smart TVs of its own, though the report doesn't say which OS those TVs will be running. Interesting. Well, we'll have to develop uh, watching that story
0: to see how it goes. Wow. If you're like me and you like using the Android Auto Dashboard, it's got a new look and some new functions. Google rolling out those Android Auto updates that include a refreshed dashboard for Google's assistance driving mode that streamlines app access to limit driver distractions. That can be helpful. Voice commands offer drivers a quick way to open the dashboard on their smartphones. Fewer adults in the U.S. are getting news from social media sites often or sometimes than in 2020. Well, I'm encouraged by that. That, according to a recent survey by Pew Research Center, with Facebook seeing a more dramatic decrease than the norm. Good for them. While TikTok bucked the trend and posted an uptick. A little under half, 48% actually, of U.S. adults say they get news from social media often or sometimes. A five percentage point decline compared with 2020. So when it comes to where Americans regularly get news on social media, Facebook outpaces all the other social media sites, or as I like to call them, anti-social media sites. But please, everyone listening, please don't just get your so-called news from these anti-social media sites. If you are really a news hound and curious about what's going on in your local area, in your nation, in your world, then make sure you also visit some news sites that are actual news, not fake news, not, you know, propaganda, not, you know, communist news network or whatever, just other news, but don't get it. From
1: social media because it's not likely accurate. Yeah, and if you do, at least check the URL that the news is coming from. And if it's not coming from a site you've ever heard of, then maybe think twice about it. That, that's another good piece of advice. Shar in Atlanta, Georgia, listens
0: on AM 920 The Answer. Hello, Shar.
2: I am starting a new podcast as a business. I hope that you guys can help me with this by suggesting any technology that I may need.
0: To get a fresh start well sure it 'll be our pleasure, of course, we just to plug our two our horn, I guess whatever, <laughs> uh, have been doing podcasts since long before they were ever even called podcasts remember we 've been doing this show for twenty six years, and we were saving them since the very beginning, archiving them, and then they became known as podcasts, so of course, we started that too but at the at the very minimum, uh, you will need a computer, of course, and a good solid microphone. If you're going to be a solo podcaster, you may be able to get away with a USB microphone, like a blue mic. They're very good. If you're not going to be a solo podcaster, but you will be recording with a remote co-host, for example, via something like Zoom, well, then the same applies. If you're going to be in person, you'll probably at least need a couple of regular microphones and a mixer to be able to connect them both to the computer and, of course, a recorder.
1: Yeah, You can get away with just a computer with the proper software, which can range from something paid like Adobe Audition or Logic Pro uh, to something free like Audacity or GarageBand. But if you're planning to record on the road, then a standalone recorder by a company like Zoom or Tascam may be helpful to keep you mobile and allow you to conduct interviews without much need to set anything up.
0: Yeah. Now, you'll also need, of course, a platform to distribute your podcast. Of course, you hear us talk on the show. We use Blueberry. It's like blueberry, like the fruit with no E's. Blueberry, which has been working very well for us. Now, their basic plan, for example, starts at $12 a month, and it includes a website for your podcast. So unless you plan to have a very complex or high-traffic site, what they offer will be more than enough. And you'll be able to kill two birds with one stone, save money,
1: and they are very helpful. Now, since you're looking to monetize this, you want to keep in mind that the landscape is both overcrowded and dominated by large media companies with huge budgets these days. So you'll need a combination of a nice logo and a niche that you can squeeze into so that you don't have to compete for general attention with the big players that can dump unthinkable amounts of money into promoting their corporate by the numbers boring shows. Yeah, exactly. So, Char, you have
0: us very curious, and we're glad. to help you more, let us know what it is your podcast is going to be about, and is it going to be just you or co-hosts or guests or otherwise, and we'll promote it for you. And tell Blueberry that Dave and Chris sent you. They'll take care of you. (laughs) There you go. Again, Blueberry.com, just Blueberry without the E's. Check them out. And while you're online, hit us up at intotomorrow.com. Attention. Do you owe back taxes, fines, and penalties to the IRS? The IRS now offers new relief options for taxpayers affected by COVID-19, but you can't go it alone
2: guys back to cameron graveline and if you have any questions about tech don't forget to ask dave so he can ask me call
1: eight hundred eight nine nine into or use the free into tomorrow app now back to the guys
0: no, thank you <laughs> cameron if you missed the call in the first hour danny the rocket man's son was calling in and saying i have a question for cameron and we were taken aback as well oh, excuse us but we had Cameron in the studio and he answered Danny's call. You got to check that out. Between the two of them, very fun. It's hard to believe that Cameron's only nine because he sounds so
1: mature and so much more interesting. I'm Dave Graveline, Cameron's grandfather. I'm Chris Graveline, Cameron's father. There you go. Uh, This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by HughesNet, America's number one choice for satellite internet. If you'd like more info, text RADIO to 35000. Again, text the word RADIO to 35000. In just a few minutes, we'll be chatting with Michelle Zhou. She's the CEO and co-founder of a company called Juji. They power the world's only accessible cognitive AI assistants. If you want to know what the heck that means, then uh, just stay tuned. Yeah, we'll tell you all about it. And check out the video of all of
0: our guest interviews at intotomorrow.com as well.
1: It's time for our e History Major. IFA is one of the largest and oldest
0: tech shows in the world. With this next look back at IFA's historic plan. Here's Chris Graveline. EFA history. EFA, EFA, EFA.
1: Better guidance for drivers is an old dream. Already at EFA in 1973, a new technology was shown: ARI or Auto Radio Information. When the broadcasters introduced the service just a year later, car radios identified stations with traffic information with a yellow light. In 1981, the car radio got station identification, and at IFA in 1983, travel ARI was introduced, which informed the driver that travel information was available even if he was listening to another station without such information. That's this week's IFA update brought to you by Messe Berlin. Be sure to visit ifa-berlin.com. Mohammed in Katif, Saudi
0: Arabia, downloads the free Into Tomorrow podcast each and every week, and he clicked that Ask Dave button on our site to participate. Hello, Mohammed.
2: Hello, Dave, Chris, Cameron, and everyone in the, on the show. Thank you for your 26 years of providing us with knowledge and educating us. Well, thank you. I have a problem with a new Dell Inspiron 2-in-1 laptop with the touchscreen. It's a 3 months old laptop. I've noticed that the battery was draining a little bit too quickly, but recently it dies completely after a full charge, and I set it to sleep mode, disconnected, wake up the next morning, and it's completely dead to the point where I cannot start the laptop unless I plug it in. I am puzzled by this, and I'd really appreciate
0: any help you can offer me. Well, we'll try, Mohammed. One of the three things has to be happening. One, you have a rough process going crazy and perhaps eating up your battery. Now, you can check for that by looking at Windows Task Manager and sorting by what is using the most CPU or RAM. Now, number two, if that looks normal, something may be wrong with your computer, and after three months, you should be able to have it fixed or replaced under warranty. So it would be good to reach out to whoever you bought it from. And the third possibility as we see it, the last thing that may be at play here, is that that is just how long the battery lasts. Some don't last any longer than
1: five hours, even while sleeping. That's rarer these days than it used to be, But it's not impossible. Now, by the way, Windows is pushing out some power management updates. And some companies are advising people to fully turn off their laptops before putting them in backpacks because the new functionality can cause them to overheat and potentially catch fire in restricted airflow. Not something you want on your back. Yeah, so that means that Windows itself may be to blame for abusing your battery life when the battery is asleep, especially if there's a Wi-Fi network around. Yeah, true. Always checking. Mohammed, let us know if those suggestions
0: help you out. And if not, we'll dig a little deeper for you into tomorrow.com. Finding the right experts to help you grow your business is always a challenge. Chameleon Collective is a hybrid marketing service and consulting firm that is hyper-focused on growing businesses. From digital marketing to optimizing your sales efforts, our experts drive results. Our work and track history, ranging from innovative startups to Fortune 500 companies, speaks for itself. Learn more by visiting chameleoncollective.com or call us at 1-800-914-0245 today. Welcome back into tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. Thank you for tuning into the program during our 26th year on the air, bringing you the latest in consumer tech, all sorts of cool electronics and technology available today and into tomorrow. We love it when you can participate on the program because you, yes, you, our listeners, actually make the program. Your calls, your participation, your help for other listeners, questions, comments, whatever the case, that's what Into Tomorrow is all about. So don't ever hesitate to join us, not just because we always share fabulous prizes with you, but because we want to hear you on the show. And there's three easy ways to do that. First, you can do it the old-fashioned way. Pick up any phone that can still be used as a phone these days and call us toll-free 24-7, anywhere from North America, 800-899-INTO. That's 800-899-4686. Or download our free Into Tomorrow app from your favorite app store and just mash that button that says Message to Studio, and then we'll get your message. Or... A lot of folks these days are doing it this way. It's very easy on anything, any device with a browser and a microphone. So your laptop, your desktop, your shoe, your if it's got a browser and a microphone, you could do it. Your smartphone, your tablet, whatever. Visit us at intotomorrow.com. You'll see a little uh, red microphone and a thing that says, Ask Dave. Click that. And voila. And if you use that method, we only ask that you also be sure to include your first name, where you're calling from, and how you hear the show. And that way, you can participate right here on Into Tomorrow. Our next guest company powers the world's only accessible cognitive AI assistance. Okay, that also got our attention. So we wanted to find out what that's all about. So we invited the co-founder and CEO of Juji, Michelle Joe, to join us. Michelle, welcome into tomorrow from San Jose, California, here to our Miami studios. How are you?
2: Thank you, Dave. Thank you for having me.
0: Our pleasure and glad to have you with us. Tell me about the company Juji.
2: So Juji is an artificial intelligence company. So it's specializing in creating and powering what we call it a new generation of AI assistants with cognitive intelligence. And people might ask, what's cognitive intelligence?
0: Yes, so I, I think it? people, including myself, are asking exactly that. And certainly most of our audience says, well, it sounds cool, but my goodness, what is it? Yeah.
2: Hey. So in addition to teaching machines language skills, for example, to be able to understand, interpret, English, and respond with English. We also teach machines human soft skills, such as active listening, which means that during the conversation, AI assistant can summarize what it listens and actually confirm the emotions to be empathetic. And more, we also teach machines to read between the lines, which means it is to go beyond what users have said to automatically infer users' unspoken needs and wants. So for example, uh, during the conversation, the machine can automatically analyze users' text, conversational text, and infer whether this user is very adventurous, bold, versus this user is more careful and very actually meticulous. So mm. that you can see, it's almost like you are working with a person, you're working with the psychologist who can really understand what your needs and wants are without even you speak it out.
0: Wow. So, I mean, I never heard of machine learning or artificial intelligence being able to read between the lines. That's kind of interesting in and of itself, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what our actually specialty. Because you probably knew from my bio, My co-founder and I, before we started at GG, we have worked with IBM for many years. And we are the inventors of IBM Watson Personality Insights, which really is the start of the research work there. It's how do you actually use user behavioral data, especially communication text, to better understand each user deeply, including their individual differences such as emotional signature, and whether they are extrovert or introvert, whether they are very open to new ideas, and whether they are either very liberal in terms of their political or their um, actually um, values.
0: Oh, wow. Well, then how can something like this help us as consumers? Or is it meant for us as consumers?
2: Definitely. So they have been very different types of use cases. So one type of use case you can think about it is uh, right now with the advances of AI consumers, uh, just regular people, right? When they interview with the company, let's say they want to find a job with the company, they may actually interview with an AI. So in that case, it is the AI would use that interaction to better assess the fit between the candidates and the company culture. So in this case, it is. Uh, such AI actually can help also train interviewees. For example, if somebody who is very ambitious and tends to actually exaggerate the facts, if the AI detects such intention, such actually intent, then they may actually can coach the interviewee to say this one. You know, I know you're ambitious. I know you want to impress your interviewers maybe you can stick to the facts, then that will really go a long way, right? Wow. And similarly, on the opposite, if somebody who is very timid, who is very afraid to speak out loud their thoughts about their ideas, the computer can detect those kind of uh, uh, unspoken psychological needs and wants, can actually coach that person to say, just be bold, just speak it out, and then other people would appreciate your opinions. So, in See, other
0: words, you're you're saying, Michelle, that the this AI, the machine learning, the artificial intelligence, can even determine if someone is being shy and kind of help get them out of their shell, so to speak.
2: Yeah, exactly. Hmm. You said it better than I <laughs> than I did. Exactly, right. So, can I really detect your what do we call it unspoken needs and wants? It's called the psychological needs, right? Yeah. So, if you detect if somebody who didn't say it, for example. Somebody said, I really want to enjoy uh, to go to the restaurant serving Ethiopian food or maybe Egyptian food. So it's not just about uh, the particular food they like. Maybe this is sort of indication about their adventurousness. So in this case, you could actually recommend the services and products that actually satisfy, fulfill such unspoken needs and wants.
0: Very interesting. Wow. Stay tuned. We're going to talk more with Michelle Zhou, the co-founder and CEO of Juji. And you can visit them at juji.io. Meantime, hit us up at intotomorrow.com and stay tuned. More with Michelle right after this. and we 're back bringing you further into tomorrow i 'm dave graveline we 're talking with the co founder and CEO of Juji all about ai assistance it 's Michelle Joe, so I can see that this can be used in many, many ways to assist people uh, and to assist companies for that matter. I mean, I love your example about perhaps a job interview is is all done by AI. Uh, when, in this case, would that be mean perhaps just sitting in front of a computer and answering questions, or would it be tied into a, a robot of some sort that is the person doing the interview, which would kind of I think freak a lot of people out, but maybe they'd get used to it and actually have a conversation?
2: Just actually think about it the simplest way would be just they are as if they're chatting with the human interviewer, they could text chat basically texting our AI interviewer. Oh, okay. And actually we found it is our study found interview in this way. Candidates are much more relaxed. They can do 24 seven. They can do it at 12 midnight and really just speak out loud their thoughts, right? Being mm. very, being themselves, being authentic. Yeah, that's and this may also help the companies to figure out whether the candidates are a great fit for their, or the positions they're hiring, right? They're um, recruiting.
0: Yeah, or if they just have a big ego and they're trying to impress you, but obviously the AI is seeing through that and, and get it, trying to get them back down to earth and just be realistic and more honest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very cool. Now, is that part of, of your work that kind of paved the way from IBM Watson to what you're doing now with Juji?
2: Thank you for asking this so I spent personally I spent 15 years with the IBM research and including a part of them at IBM Watson group. So IBM really has taught me many important lessons on how to create uh, great AI products, right? So here I wanted to highlight three of them. So one is uh, I have spent uh, literally 10, 12 years building conversational AI at IBM. So what has taught me there it is, what are real pain and challenges from both user side and from the developer side? So I'm pretty sure we will touch upon this democratizing and no-code AI. Because if you think an organization, even big organizations, the government, not necessarily every organization has AI expertise and sophisticated programmers. So that's why it's a real need on um, how do you create an AI product that is truly use, use useful, which means it helps really end users, mm-hmm. and actually usable? The second lesson I also learned that is really you want to know what is hype, what is reality. So at the IBM, when we're developing Watson personality insights, one of the assumptions is that everybody has a ton of the data, so we can analyze and use the analysis to help that individual that actually is false because once we started the company, we found that we recruited about like 5,000 students to use our tool to try to analyze themselves, to discover about themselves. We found that 95, 95% of the people don't have enough data for our, for our analysis. Oh. Despite their enthusiasm of discovering themselves, they said, we don't really post on social media, so we don't have the data. That's actually inspired us to say, then how can we get authentic data? That's why we create a conversational AI to engage with people, to enable them to discover about themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So the third lesson I learned is also very interesting. It's about how to create an AI product, which means that how, how to differentiate a product versus the technology. So, in my opinion, IBM What is some personality insights. It's a piece of technology, not really a product per se. In a way, it is. People don't know how to use it end to end because not everybody is a psychologist, right? Once they see those insights, they want to, wondering how you're going to use it. So that's a very different than what we're doing right now. It is we will we create the product that can help organizations or individuals. To complete a task end to end, mm-hmm. not just to give you a piece of technology, right? Yeah. So you it can't be half away. You can't be 80%. It has to be 100%. So really, the three lessons I have learned by working with I, at IBM for 15 years, wow. how to create awesome product-led AI company.
0: And it's interesting that it's been about 15 years or so that I have been begging IBM to allow me to uh, interview Watson one day because of AI conversational capabilities, Mm -hmm. and it's never happened, so I just gave up on IBM. Uh, but, But I'm not giving up on the kinds of things you guys are doing because I think that's truly interesting. I'm noticing on your website you guys talk about reusable cognitive intelligence. First of all, what the heck is that? And how, is, how does that play a role?
2: Let me give you a very simple analogy. Adopting an AI, it's almost like adopting a child. In order for the AI to help humans to do human job, you have to teach AI human skills. Like I yeah. mentioned earlier, language skills, soft skills. So in other case, you can think about it is that when you adopt a child, you want the child to be very fluent very proficient in conversing communicating with other people you have to teach the child what if you want the second child If you want to teach the child from scratch that's a long take a long time take a lot of effort how about you teach the child once and transferring all this child's intelligence into another child immediately to make another child smart and starting from that foot ground so that's called the reusable intelligence, right? So which means that is uh, we package, we pre-train AI with those cognitive intelligence, like reading between the lines, active listening skills. So when organizations, when they want to adopt an AI assistant, this AI assistant with the built-in intelligence already. So this will cut dramatically the time and the cost of adopting AI for any organizations, no matter if they have uh, AI skills, AI team or not.
0: Wow. So yeah, I can see how it can reduce the cost for a company uh, and certainly help them in many ways. And then maybe all you have to do is update uh, that new AI assistant because new things happen, new products uh, you know, come into play, whatever. It's a simple matter of updating, but not training from the very beginning. Boy, if we could if we could only do that with children, that would be amazing. Uh, so who knows? Maybe one day into tomorrow, you just plug a USB cable. But anyway, I won't get too, too far ahead. People are afraid that robots are taking over. But, uh, Michelle, you are a delight to talk with, and I appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. Obviously, folks listening want more information uh, or watching the video. You want to come by intotomorrow.com and see the interview with Michelle. And we're showing you some of the things that she's talking about visit Jugi, juji j u j i juji.io there you go and we'll get you there too when you visit us at intotomorrow.com Michelle as co-founder and CEO of Juji thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us continued good luck to you guys and stay in touch
2: thank you Dave for having me
0: again juji Dot I-O. I'm Dave Graveline. Stay tuned as we bring you further into tomorrow right here on the Advanced Media Network. I can't get my computer to work.
1: Let me help you with that.
0: How'd you do that? I just got techie with geeks on site.
1: Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way.
0: We'll help you instantly. Call 855-399-9886. That's 855-399-9886. It's the Into Tomorrow Consumer Tech Radio Show on your radio or podcast or stream.
1: Thanks for tuning Into Tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. And this portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you by Dexcom. Always know where your glucose is headed and how fast. Visit Dexcom.com. Norm in Broomfield, Colorado,
0: listens to the free Into Tomorrow podcasts on TuneIn. And we love you for it, Norm, calling in using the Ask Dave button at intotomorrow.com. Hey, Norm. Question on all the new high-power charging devices, specifically for Apple devices. They're built-in safety factors, but they require a special high-power cord, I think. Can you give me some advice? Do I throw away my old Apple lightning cables and Just stick with the new USB-C cables or the USB to lightning cables that are made for these devices. Thanks, Dave. Well, Norm, it depends on what you're plugging your phone into. The USB standard is able to negotiate how much power to feed a device, but newer versions
1: of the iPhone can take advantage of more power. Yeah, for example, the iPhone 11 was reported to be able to take advantage of at least 22 watts of power while charging. The real number may be higher since those were informal tests by reviewers, 22 watts translates to a 4-amp charger, but you can plug your iPhone straight into a MacBook Pro's 87-watt charger, and it will feed the iPhone with no issues. If you want to take advantage of that kind of high-powered charging, then yes, you should probably replace the stock USB cable. Those are usually estimated to be roughly 12-watt cables, so you'll want a higher-gauge cable. And of course now having said that, phones charge pretty
0: quickly, even with stock chargers, so don't expect a bigger charger and a sturdier cable to get you to one hundred percent in like three minutes. It's will still take a fairly normal amount of time for the phone to get its full charge.
1: Yeah, and usually if you want the faster chargers you use a cable like that. If your phone has wireless charging, that's it'll charge your phone, but it won't be as fast as a cable. So yeah. if and you're looking for fast charging, always use a cable. Yeah. Although
0: some I have a couple of wireless chargers that are fast-charging wireless chargers,
1: but they're typically more
0: expensive. They're not as common. They probably will be into tomorrow because, like anything else with tech, early adopters pay more for stuff, and then you get version 2 and 3, and it's less. For more info and, of course, all of our calls and all of our videos of our interviews, check out intotomorrow.com. Bringing you the latest in consumer electronics and technology, this has been Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline.